Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cody's Car Conundrum. I'm your host, Cody Wagner. No duh, right? Here we discuss everything from car news, culture, movies, stories, games, interviews, events, and so much more. Without further delay, on with the show. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to another weekly news roundup. No longer than necessary intro. We're just going to get straight into the news. Honda is offering paw-decorated accessories for dog peep... For what? Oh, dog people's car for pe- for people who have dogs and cars in Japan. For dog people's cars. I just, I'm sorry, I don't know where my mind was, but it just didn't make, it didn't make any sense. Anyway, apart from cosmetic decorations like paw wheel center caps and gearbox knobs, there are also accessories for transporting your pet. See, I like to see that because it's more useful. Military Humvee is having its engine swapped for an EV drivetrain. And all of a sudden, all the, uh... All the truck bros have gone to that person's house to call roll and say, how dare you, you you un-American dirtbag. This 2022 Genesis GV70 was driven just 179 miles before crashing. Coincidentally, that was 179 miles that whoever was driving it were still married. (laughs) Uh, Fortunately, the powertrain of this 2022 Genesis GV70 doesn't appear to have been damaged. I suppose it can be parted out for that at least. Maybe a front and rear bumper and taillights and headlights. Because they got T-boned. But just on the passenger side? And it seems like only on the rear door. It's a very, very specific area that the damage that the that the car's been damaged in. Like, how did you how did the car only get damaged in that one area? Or how did it get primarily damaged in that one area? That doesn't make any sense. Like the rear right side passenger door that's got the majority of the damage the rest of the car is fine especially the left side what happened it looks like the hulk walked up to the car put his left hand on the top of the rear door put his right hand on the bottom and then squished it like a soda can how do you do that for better or worse we don't live in in an avengers world everyone so how did i'd love to know the story behind that keep your overpriced e30 bmw m5 This modified S54 powered BMW 3 Series looks way more fun! The E46 M3 engine 3 Series has 333 horsepower and will cost you a whole lot less than an E30 M3. Ferrari Puro Sogne... something. SUV. Here's what we know and what it's got to beat. Toyota officially confirms its limiting Land Cruiser resale to prioritize fans and prevent unauthorized use. Toyota told us it told us it is keen on ensuring that the first examples of the Land Cruiser don't end up in the wrong hands. <coughs> Extremist! <laughs> I mean, that is good, though, but I, I... How are they going to determine who's a fan and not an extremist who also happens to be a fan? Like, what are their criteria for giving some people the first few Land Cruisers and then turning others away? That would be... That would be... It, it's not pertinent information. I would just like to know. A brand new Ford Bronco Outer Banks edition is being auctioned off on Meekum. How how much are you willing to pay for a 2021 Ford Bronco four-door with just 35 miles on the odometer? Tesla-made Megapack battery site in Australia catches fire. Toxic fumes a big concern. The 300-megawatt Tesla Megapack is expected to become the largest battery in the Southern Hemisphere and helps regulate the local power grid. Diesel is not dead yet, as Toyota is reportedly developing a hybrid. Rumors from Japan suggest that Toyota is preparing a diesel hybrid for off-roaders and light commercial vehicles. Netflix buys global rights to Michael Schumacher's documentary, will premiere in September. The life story of one of the best Formula One drivers ever 
will be told in a documentary premiering on September 15th. Toyota will keep upgrading the Immortal Land Cruiser 70 Series. The Land Cruiser 70 Series will get a major update in 2022, allowing it to maintain its position in Toyota's Australian range. Toyota created a funky baseball-themed EV for the Olympics. The EV has a single rear seat designed to resemble a catcher's mitt. Woman caught speeding in her Mercedes-AMG G63 claims she absolutely had to go to the restroom. The SUV was immediately seized by the police as the driver was traveling at 130 miles per hour in a 70 mile per hour area. I mean, desperately needing to use the bathroom will do that to someone. Might be a bit hard to believe, but it could happen. White House wants US automakers to commit to making 40% of their lineup electric by 2030. <laughs> Once great countries fall. <laughs> no. <laughs> Right now, this is only a suggestion and not a mandate on the part of the Biden administration. Thank God! That better last for at least six more years. <laughs> Counterfeit car parts are often more profitable than drugs. And business is booming! Over 1.7 million counterfeit Daimler products were confiscated in 2020. So, <laughs> so anyone who was running drugs illegally or who are running a specific set of drugs illegally, you're in the wrong business. <laughs> you're absolutely in the wrong business. Not that you should be selling things illegally in the first place, to state the obvious, but if you're going to do that, and I don't condone that, don't do that. But if you don't give a crap what I say, then uh, yeah, you're in the wrong business, as it turns out. <laughs> SEC's action against former Nikola CEO could mean trouble for Tesla's Elon Musk. Now might be time for a Twitter break, Elon. 2022 Chevrolet Copo Camaro gains a massive 9.4 liter big block V8. The huge V8 is NHR. What? Is NHRA rated at just 430 horsepower? What? What's the point of that? Maybe the point is torque because they don't mention in the sub headline how much torque it's making. But still... Now look, we all know Chevrolet could get more horsepower out of a 9.4 liter V8 if they wanted to, right? They got that much horsepower from, a, I mean, with a supercharger, but they got that much horsepower. In fact, they got more horsepower from the LT, I believe it's the LT1 that's in the C8 Corvette. And that's only a 6.2 liter V8. So they could get more horsepower if they wanted to. So more likely than not, they're restricted. But that still seems like a bit of a waste unless they're doing it for torque. We'll have to see, though, in the second segment of the podcast. Rivian R1S heads to Moab for some off-road testing. After facing a delay, deliveries of the all-electric Rivian R1S are scheduled to commence later this fall. Tesla will pay $1.4 million to Model S owners for reducing their car's maximum battery voltage. A total of 1,743 owners of the Tesla Model S were affected by, by an over-the-air update. Bugatti Veyron driven into a lake in 2009 you know the video I'm talking about, is finally being rebuilt. A Bugatti enthusiast, who also stocks a number of parts, paid $400,000 for the car, plus $250,000 sourcing original parts from the factory, and there's still work to be done. Car retail startup Rodo, R-O-D-O, raises $18 million, includes funding from Kevin Hart. Roto allows customers to lease and buy new vehicles and have them delivered the same day. So they're just, what, an opposite of Carvana? Okay, cool. This Lamborghini Gallardo 50th Anniversario is a rare special edition with a stick shift. 
There were just 25 examples of the Lamborghini Gallardo 50th anniversary sold in the U.S. Drivers for Las Vegas Loop encouraged to describe Elon Musk as a great leader. You're just buying them. You're just buying their support. I mean, sort of. You're sort of buying, buying their support. Las Vegas Loop drivers are encouraged to keep conversation to a minimum. What? Yeah, whatever. Mitsubishi's evolution name may return on a special Outlander Feb. And immediately all the Evo faithfuls cry in their pillows. And that includes me. Mitsubishi is readying a revival of the Rally Art brand, and this could include an, Evo an, this could include an Outlander Evolution. I mean, okay, okay. The thing about the Evo brand is that while it has only, as far as I know, been applied to the Lancer, or at the very least, it's only been applied to their sedans, Evo is to Mitsubishi what SRT is to, what, Dodge, Chrysler, and Jeep, and Ram now, or what AMG is to Mercedes. Sort of in the same way that ST... Sort of in the same way that STI is those brands to Subaru. What? Subaru Technica International. It's just their performance division. It's not like Mach 1, right? It's not like Mach 1 for Mustang, where that was a specific trim level, but not a performance outfit on its own. Like SVT was. Or, no, no, no. Not SVT. Well, yeah. SV, no. SVO. Not, S, not SVT. SVO. Like SVO was for Ford. So maybe... Maybe it's fair to say, instead of looking at this as a replacement for the Lancer Evo, look at this as a Grand Cherokee SRT Outlander, or as an Outlander SRT. Then it becomes a lot less sacrilegious. Camouflaged Acura NSX test car begs the question, is a facelifted no, is it a facelifted model or a new performance variant? New spy shots of a camouflaged test car on U.S. soil reveal that Acura is not giving up on the NSX just yet. Despite the fact that they, as far as I can tell, haven't really been doing much with it. Seems like it might be too little too late for the NSX, which would be really sad. Jeep Gladiator is the latest victim of chip shortages. Production of the Dodge Challenger, Charger, and Chrysler 300 will also be paused. Gunther Works teases finished 993 Speedster ahead of August unveil. California-based Gunther says Speedster is more powerful, yeah, is more powerful than the 435 horsepower $565,000 400R coupe. Rivian files six new trademarks for electric pickup trucks and SUVs. Rivian's founder and CEO has previously said that the company intends to launch smaller models better suited to Europe and China. Pro Drive's updated BRX Hunter T1 Plus gears up for the Dakar in 2022. The Pro Drive BRZ. What? Then why did you say BRX? Is it BRZ or BRX? Okay, in the image it's BRX. The Pro Drive BRX. Hunter T1 Plus is powered by a 3.5-liter EcoBoost V6 with 400 horsepower. Scuderia Cameron Glickenhaus previews hydrogen pickup. This hydrogen pickup from Scuderia Cameron Glickenhaus will have a range of 600 miles. And it looks like some weird cutesy Star Wars animal that's only meant to sell, sell little plushies. That's what the face looks like. Aston Martin sales up by more than 200%. Thanks to the DBX. Look, whatever your opinion of the DBX is, the only thing you the only thing you should be positive about in regards to it is that it'll sell. And the reason why is because if that thing sells, Aston Martin will still be around and that car will give them, much like the Cayenne give, gave Porsche, the funds to work on the cars the rest of us actually want. The, to, give, to give us the enthusiast the cars we want. So your DB11, your DB11 Superleggera, your Vantage, Val, uh, Valcry, Valhalla, and the like. 
that thing has to sell for us to have all those cars in the next generation of those cars. In the first six months of the year, Aston Martin delivered 2,901 vehicles, 2,006 more than in the first half of 2021. 2022 Toyota Land Cruiser 300 detailed for South Africa, where it starts at nearly $90,000. God, at that price range, it might as well be a Lexus. The Land Cruiser 300 will be offered with two V6s, one petrol, one diesel, and in three trims. BMW E30 wagon with an M3 E36 engine transplant sold for nearly $21,000. That's way lower than I was expecting. It also features a, a manual five-speed with a limited slip diff, as well as E36 seats and a few other interesting upgrades. Few cars sound as extraordinary as the Apollo IE Carbon Dragon. The Apollo IE is powered by a Ferrari-derived 6.3-liter V12, delivering 769 horsepower and 561 pound-feet of torque. Mysterious Ford Mustang Mach-E Mule Spy might be an electric Lincoln. Lincoln will introduce the first electric vehicle in 2022. Automakers may have to increase fuel economy by 3.7% per year under proposed new EPA standards. Biden intends to use California's fuel economy. Oh, God. God dang it, California! Secede! <laughs> Go away! <laughs> Just keep, keep, keep your anti-car enthusiast bullcrap to yourself, okay? <laughs> God dang it. Biden intends to use California's fuel economy targets until 2026, after which point cars will have to become much more efficient. Porsche SE is investing in a rocket-building firm. Moreover, Elon Musk, Porsche is also interested in space technology. Actually, let me go back to the increased efficiency thing. I'm not against cars becoming more fuel efficient. I'm not against them having less harmful emissions. What I'm against, though, is the EPA bombarding us enthusiasts from doing what we want with our cars and from automakers from making cars that we want to buy okay that's what i'm against things like the things like that recent legislation where they were trying to bombard enthusiasts from taking corvettes mustangs challengers vipers camaros whatever car you have your personal car your street legal car they were trying to prevent you from turning it into a race car from doing the modifications necessary to either make it a drag racer a drift car or whatever okay that's what I'm against. And I'm against, this isn't going to sound good, but I am against California-style emissions, uh, emissions regulations that basically mean you can't get an exhaust. Or at the very least, you can't get a real... Well, I say you can't get an exhaust. I'm sure there's a lot of people where you can't get an exhaust, but you have to pass emissions, right? That's what you have to do. And I'm kind of against that because that applies to all cars, not just the normal ones. And that means... Your fun, fast cars are either going to be way more mute as a result, or you're not going to, at some point in time, you may not be able to get an exhaust on your car because it, won't, it then won't be able to pass emissions. That's what I'm against. I'm against the EPA basically encroaching on our pursuit of happiness however we see fit as, as far as it pertains to the automotive space. That's what I'm against. Automakers should make their factory cars better for the, better for the environment, more 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 environmentally friendly, less harmful with their emissions. But like a good, a good example is I'm not against normal cars in Europe having soft limiters. I'm completely fine with that. I'm against things like Toyota Supras or Porsche 911s or certain Audi or like Audi R8s and whatnot having soft limiters. That's what I'm against. Now you can get an aftermarket exhaust that gets rid of it, but it, I'm sad that you have to buy an exhaust 
just to get rid of the soft limiter. Now, there may be a way around it, but as far as I've seen from CarWow, that's the next easiest way that I know of to get rid of the soft limiter. But that's what I'm against. It's just the EPA, <coughs> the government, encroaching on our rights as civilians to do within, within perfect reason what we want with our property, with, with the things we bought with our own money. That's what I'm against. So anytime there's some EPA news, I always get, especially when it's like that, I always get sad because, because it feels like it's just another step closer to them coming for the consumers, not just the automakers and saying, Hey, you as consumers, you can't do anything with your car either. You can't put an exhaust on it. You can't put, again, that recent registration. I don't remember what the name of it is. I know, I know the SEMA name, the, I think it was the Rev Act, which was to counter that, but yeah, that's what I'm against. By all means, make cars better, make cars more environmentally friendly so we have cleaner air to breathe and less damage to the planet as a whole. However, if you're going to then come after me when I get my Viper and say, hey, no, you can't modify that and make it better for track duty, put an exhaust on whatever, we're going to throw some hands, okay? That's never going to be okay. You can go after the automakers all you want, fine, because they make a bunch of cars. So I think it's fair on the automaker front. It's fair for them. Because they're the ones making all the cars, digging up all this metal, or mining all the metal, whatever, making the engines, all that sort of thing. It's sort of like how production production facilities should also be more environmentally friendly, because they have a huge impact. Okay, And it's not like cars don't have an impact. Not as much as some people believe, but it's not like they don't have an environmental impact. But what I'm saying is, if one individual wants to do what they want with their car, make it less environmentally friendly, because they put an exhaust on it, or they do whatever... That is completely their prerogative and leave them the hell alone. That's what I'm saying. And that, that includes me. You can go after the automakers, make them more environmentally friendly because they, they have a huge impact on the environment. But car enthusiasts are a minority. They are a minority within transportation. Do not come after us and what we do with our cars. End of story. Go away. <laughs> Continental and Siemens team up to make e-highways a viable reality. So, do you remember when Jeremy Clarkson and James May had the Nissan Leaf and the Mitsubishi IMEV in that Top Gear episode? And at the very end, they were saying, because they had they had did bumper cars and how they had the, te- the not the tethers, the poles. The poles on the back, the electric, sorry, the antennas. Forgot the word there. They had the antennas that connected to this grid on top of this electrical grid so that they could always be charged. And how they were talking about, hey, do that for all the motorways in Europe. Continental and Siemens are actually trying that. Like, they're actually doing it. <laughs> Electric semis can be powered and charged by simply driving underneath electric cabling. They're literally doing it, like trains. Now, I'm not actually completely against it. It's not going to be a great site, but still. But I just find it funny that what they suggested all those years ago, like easily a decade ago now, a company is actually trying for real. <laughs> That's amazing. Off-road Lamborghini Huracan completes first field test. Some changes are needed. So remember that off-road hurricane I was talking about? I think it was the last weekly news roundup. Yeah, this is more news on that. This heavily modified hurricane will require more ground clearance. Not a surprise. Larger shocks. Not really a supply, uh, surprise. And some skid plates. No duh. Nikola founder Trevor Trevor Milton. What? You mean you mean the founder of Nikola isn't the descendant of Nikola Tesla? Ah, I, I'm not surprised. Uh, apparently he died alone. And I apparently a virgin? So that wouldn't be a grave surprise at all. Sad, but not a surprise. But anyway, indicted for fraud. 
God dang it. Never mind. Nikola Tesla's legacy or his name hasn't been sullied. I should have. I should have kept reading. Then I wouldn't have babbled like that. Has been indicted for fraud by the U.S. Department of Justice. Trevor Milton allegedly sought to defraud investors through misleading statements about Nikola's products, tech, and future sales potential. Oh my god. And here I am going on about, oh no, there's no one to continue the Nikola Tesla legacy. Uh, legacy. How sad is that? One second later, never mind. The, because if it were a descendant of Nikola Tesla that was running the company, they would have just sullied it. They would have just sullied it completely. Or at the very least, largely or significantly. <laughs> oh, God. Ah, oh, that's too funny. I should have kept my mouth shut. <laughs> BMW Motorrad introduces new R18B and R18 Transcontinental. The R18 Transcontinental promises to be a grand American tour. US spec Hyundai Elantra N to debut in New York with 276 horsepower. Following its debut overseas, the Elantra N is coming to America. Roll credits. <laughs> anyway, that is going to be the end for this uh, rather lengthy segment. I will see you all after the break. During this break, I want to inform you all that you can now monetarily support this podcast and indeed the entirety of Cody's Car Conundrum with Kofi. Uh, well, it might be coffee, but it's spelled K-O-F-I, and that's weird, so I say it Kofi. In any case, Kofi is an alternative to Patreon where, beautifully and as God intended, you, the supporters, don't have to pay a fee, like on Patreon, to support my work. So if you like what I do and want to see me cover, slash talk about, slash make a video regarding something specific, or want me to branch out into other areas of car culture, then head over to ko-fi.com forward slash Cody's Car Conundrum, where you can make a minimum donation of $5 towards me and the brand. In return, you'll be helping me afford new equipment, afford upgrades to my existing tools, you'll receive polls asking what topic you want me to dive into next, you'll get to see voted and non-voted content before public release, various forms of recognition for your support, and the ability to vote on merch designs you'd like to see on the Teespring store. Now let's get back to the show. Alrighty everyone, we are back. Paper license plate. Why the hell would you do a paper license plate? Could you imagine how easy something like that would be to vandalize? They would people wouldn't have to go to Staples and get a marker. <laughs> All they have to do is get a marker. At least with a metal license plate, you'd need an angle grinder. <sighs> or I don't know, maybe just some black paper and then tape it on top so they can't so the cops can't see your registration. I mean that's another way to easily vandalize a license plate, but at least it's not as stupid. Paper license plates coming to Washington after metal plate shortage. Oh no. Temporary plates are paper. And they're paper because they're temporary and cheap. Don't make temporary plates permanent plates. <laughs> not only that, a paper plate cannot stand up to the elements. Not at all. I've seen battered license plates, but they still hold up to an extent. Paper, rain, bam, soggy and all right, and just gone. Gone. Can't even read it. Especially if they use marker. If they use ink to write the registration, it'll be fine. But if they use marker, it's gone. Completely eviscerated. That, no. 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 Very bad idea. It better be temporary. Considering it's a metal plate shortage and not a transition, it's probably temporary. But I'm, I'm just saying, it better be. The issue affects passenger cars and some drivers will be issued paper plates that are only good for 60 days. They're only going to be good for 36 hours. No, 48 hours. That's it. <laughs> They're only going to be good for two days. Especially actually because this is Washington, right? 
This is Washington State. What city is in Washington State? Seattle. What is Seattle known for? Rain. There is no way a paper license plate is lasting a week. No way. I'd give it 48 hours for most people, but at most, it's not lasting a week. They better give those people backups, and they better give them like five backups, because it's not surviving otherwise. 2022 Fiat Pulse. Good name. I actually do like it. Cool name. It's a budget-friendly baby crossover for South America. Fiat's new baby SUV is coming to South American markets this September. New 2022 Land Rover Defender Trophy Edition evokes, pun, memories of the Camel Trophy. That's a bit of a bad name. The Trophy Edition comes with plenty of offered extras and a fun color scheme and will be limited to just 20, uh, 220 examples. Mercedes teases EQE, announces electric Maybach, Maybach, I'm saying it wrong, Maybach, and AMG models for Munich Auto Show. You can also expect to see the Mercedes AMG EQS. Audi Q4 e-tron lineup gains all-wheel drive and long-range long models in Europe. The Q4 Sportback 40 e-tron is the longest-range EV in Audi's lineup with 331 miles of range on the WLTP test cycle. <laughs> McLaren 650S Spider driver reminded that lane splitting doesn't work in cars. How idiotic. Impatient McLaren driver finds out that sometimes waiting is better than rushing to get around a Kia. Mansory's latest Rolls-Royce Ghost has an illuminated grille just in case you blink and miss it. Mansory's Rolls-Royce Ghost features new turbochargers and delivers 720 horsepower and 752 whispering torque. Because, I mean, unless they tune the engine beyond that, that'll be the most calm and collected 720 horsepower anyone's ever experienced in their life. New Bentley Flying Spur Hybrid Odyssey? Odyssey Edition has an eco-friendly and substantial, sorry, sustainable interior. Bentley adds tweed, koa veneer, lamb's wool rugs, and sustainable leather to its flying spur hybrid to make a sustainable limited edition. See, you can tell you can tell Bentley doesn't really care because it's it's a limited edition sustainable Bentley, rather than all Bentleys being sustainable because sustainable leather is not the same thing as normal leather. I guess. <laughs> 2022 Chevrolet Traverse price from $34,395 and tops out at $54,595. The 2022 Chevrolet Traverse was delayed because of the coronavirus pandemic. Looks okay. Looks like a Chevy. Looks like a Traverse. It, it's nothing groundbreaking. But if you... I don't think many people will dislike it. I think it's a pretty decent facelift. Lexus could be working on a new baby SUV based on the Toyota Yaris Cross. The rumored model could be named Lexus LBX. Uh, designed for Europe, Japan, and Australia. Or Australia. <laughs> Facelift of VW T-Roc Cabriolet spied undisguised, showing a fresh bumper. The unconventional two-door four-seater open-top SUV, Nissan Rogue convertible basically, but with a VW face, will get a facelift following the updates on the regular VW T-Roc range. New Alpina B4 could be based on the 4 Series Grand Coupe. The new Alpina B4, sorry, Alpina B4, will apparently use the punchy M440i X-Drive as its base. Bugatti EB110SS, once owned by Michael Schumacher, damaged in German floods. Oh no. Michael Schumacher only, only ever drove his, his Bugatti EB110SS a touch over 2,800 miles. Oh god, I really hope they can get that fixed. Toyota suspends select Japanese production over supply issues caused by COVID-19. Toyota models including the Land Cruiser, Alphard, and... Valfire will be impacted. 
Mitsubishi teases the next Outlander Fev landing in the U.S. next year. The plug-in hybrid version of the fourth-generation Mitsubishi Outlander will feature increased output and battery capacity. Mercedes-AMG celebrates 50th anniversary of 300 SEL 6.8 Spa win with three unique race cars. In 1971, the Red Pig scored a class win at the 24 Hours of Spa, marking AMG's first major success in motorsport. Mazda files trademark for an R badge as it's planning new performance models. No, is it, is it planning new performance models? This new Mazda badge shares similarities to the old RX-7 and R8, R, RX-8, sorry, the RX-7 and RX-8 Spirit R badge. I just hope it's not going to replace Mazda Speed, because I liked Mazda Speed, it should stay. Gazoo Racing details its two 2022 Toyota GR86 concepts. Gazoo Racing's concepts showcase a host of parts developed for the brand new Toyota GR86. Europe's 2022 Honda HRV Hybrid hits 100 km per hour in 10.6 seconds and returns 50, no, 5.4 liters per 100 km or 43.5 mpg. The 22 Honda HRV EHEV, EHEV, so literally EHEV, has a 1.5 liter petrol engine that is way too small and two electric motors that deliver 129 horsepower and 186 pound feet of torque. Exomotive X, Exoset, I guess is America's aerial atom counterpart and it, and it uses front and it uses a front-mounted Miata engine. In addition to its aerial atom-like tube frame, the car features Miata running gear, a Porsche windshield, a NASCAR wing, and a Shelby-style fuel filler cap. With that out of the way though, let's start reading some of the articles. Starting with the Ferrari SUV one actually. More than 20 years after Porsche's Cayenne revolutionized the high-rise, high-performance four-door market, Ferrari is finally getting ready to reveal its first SUV. Ferrari ignored the SUV boom for years, claiming the concept didn't match the company's brand values. It didn't. And still managed to build a hugely profitable business. I would imagine largely thanks to the licensing deals they got from video games and other avenues, as well as their own licensed merch. I digress, though. But now, every big luxury and supercar-making rival, bar McLaren, has one in its lineup, and customer demand is huge and still growing. If Ferrari doesn't offer its customers an SUV, they'll buy one elsewhere. And now that it has shareholders to keep happy, that simply won't do. Here's what we know so far. It's called Purosagne. I can't say it properly. Maybe. Puros... Okay. Purosangue. The pure... Okay. Purosangue. That's an awful... That is a god-awful name. Means pure blood. The exact thing it isn't. Which could be Ferrari's way of telling us that this might be the company's first production four-door car, but it'll still drive like a true Ferrari. Or it could be Ferrari reminding us that the... That the I got on. Puro Sangue will ride on a true Ferrari platform, while rivals like the Bentley Bentayga and Lamborghini Urus can trace their DNA to the relatively humble VW Touareg. Either way, it should be on sale before the end of 2022. The slight snag is that the Puro Sangue, God, that's so, that is so awful, Ferrari, please change that. That's just like when Marati, when Marati, wow, that's just like when Maserati said that their SUV would be called the Kubang. That's bad for a different reason, but this is, this is bad because it's just hard to say. The slight snag is that the name is owned by an anti-doping charity, and if Ferrari's legal challenge to use the name fails, it'll have to come up with a new one. Ferrari Fem, Femigli, Famiglia? Famiglia? Probably Famiglia. Not great. Ferrari hates the SUV word and prefers to call the SUV an FUV. Ferrari Utility Vehicle. Okay, cool. 
Well, when you're 20 years late to the party, you need to have at least a good reason. You need to have, you need to at least have a good reason why. Ignoring the fact that many people already think every Ferrari is an FU vehicle. <laughs> okay, that is, that's brilliant. That is, that is a great jab. I say jab. It's, it's a good joke. Whether it's a jab, I don't know. But anyway, the company kind of has a point. While we don't know exactly how tall the SUV is, it's clear, or the FUV is, it's clear even from the spy shots of development cars hiding under Maserati Levante bodywork that it's more of a crossover than an SUV and features a lower roofline than an Urus or a Bentayga. That should give it a lower center of gravity that lends itself to coupe-like dynamics. It shares more than headlights with the Roma. I like that. That's pretty cool. The SUV, or sorry, the FUV is the first front-engine car after the Roma to use the new modular platform the company announced in 2018. Although the aluminum architecture, or aluminium, sorry, architecture has been scaled to create space for four passengers rather than the Roma's two, it still features a sports car layout with the engine up front and the transmission mounted together with the, with the differential at the rear. So far, Ferrari has been careful to hide its, SU, sorry, its FUV test cars under Maserati Levante bodywork, but we expect the real thing to feature a wider track and a, a more striking bodywork with a hood that drops right down between its two fashionably skinny LED headlights. The rear gets a liftback fifth door for access to the trunk. It will apparently launch with a V12, hybrid V8, and V6 versions will follow. Reports suggest the FUV will launch with a naturally aspirated V12, a configuration no rival offers, yet not even Lamborghini, giving Ferrari significant bragging rights. Hell, not even Aston Martin. Jeez. The automaker's chief marketing officer. Did I say automakers? I meant automakers. The automaker's chief marketing officer suggested to Auto Express that adding hybrid power to the V12 would add too much weight. So expect, so, expect, so expect this one to run without electrical assist, though with as much as 800 horsepower. So if it has that much horsepower, could it be the V12 from the A12 Superfast? That would make some level of sense. Moving on, though, it's not going to be short of punch. Count on 0 to 62 miles per hour in around 3 seconds and a 200 mile per hour top speed. I, I'm not so sure about that, but we'll see. It'd be pretty cool if it did, if it did go that fast, though. Or 320 kilometers per hour. More in keeping with the times, but probably arriving a little later, is a hybridized V8 option that borrows tech from the 4-liter SF90 Stradale, but with its plug-in hybrid unit mounted at the rear with a dual-clutch transmission. But since the SF90's power units combined to deliver 986 horsepower, they'd presumably be significantly detuned as not to overshadow the V12 model. And the Roma's milder 612 horsepower 3.8-liter V8 seems a better case for a GT car. It's also very likely that a version of the 296 GTB's 803 horsepower V6 powertrain will be added later in the model cycle. All-wheel drive and a new driving mode. Combining the naturally aspirated V12 with a simple rear-wheel drive transmission and four-wheel steering, in effect, make a, in effect making a four-seat A12 superfast, would certainly create a point of differentiation for Ferrari's first SUV and deliver a true sports car experience. But expect... But people expect certain things from their SUVs, and they include the ability to sink your foot into the firewall and feel and feel the tires hook up. So we expect the FUV will likely be available with all-wheel drive, or at least most versions will be. Now, I guess the question at this very moment, though, is will it use the same system from the Ferrari FF and the GTC for Lusso, in that it has two transmissions so that it doesn't have a transfer case, which raises the center of gravity of the engine, or is it going to use a transfer case? That's the real question. 
The SF90 uses e-motors on the front axle, but the FUV's front engine layout means there's probably no room. So hybrid, so hybrid models will have their motor mounted, at, motor mounted at the rear. Instead, expect Ferrari to take power from the front axle from the front end of the V12 and V8, as it did with the now-dead GTC Lusso. Height adjustable suspension. Even the most supercar-like SUV needs to be able to needs to be able to get its boots dirty for some light off-road action. So the FUV will feature Ferrari's first height adjustable suspension system. Air springs are the most obvious choice, but does Ferrari have something different planned? Information released to investors claim the FUV will have a new innovative suspension, so we'll have to wait and see what exactly that means. Roomy Roma-inspired interior. Ferrari says the FUV's interior will be spacious and comfortable for four adults, and we've heard and we've heard unconfirmed rumors that the rear doors might be rear-hinged, as on the Rolls-Royce Cullinan. There should, there should also be more headroom and legroom than in the GTC4 Lusso, pictured here. I have to wonder, though, if the doors are rear-hinged, will that add weight? Because if it adds weight, then I don't expect Ferrari to go that route. Backseat passengers will have the option of, rear entertainment, of a rear entertainment system, while the dashboard and console will be far less driver-focused than the ones fitted to the 296 GTB and SF90 sports cars. So while it will feature the same digital instrument pack, heads-up display, and new generation multifunction steering wheel as the SF90, there will also be a conventional infotainment system in the console, perhaps like the one pictured here in the Roma, plus a separate screen for the front, for the front seat passenger above the glove box. You'll need deep pockets to buy one. That is in no way a surprise. Ferrari's most affordable car is a $222,000 or £172,000 Roma, and we don't expect the FUV to change that. How much more will you have to pay to add rear doors to your Ferrari remains to be seen, but for reference, the recently departed GTC4 Lusso, which the FUV effectively replaces, costs $263,000 in V8 guys, and $303,000 with a V12 under the hood. Oh! Two Ferrari SUVs are in the works. Still struggling to get your head around the idea of a Marinello bred SUV? Then get ready for another bombshell because, because the UK's car magazine claims that Ferrari will follow the Puro Sogne, I had to say it here, with two additional all-electric SUVs, codenamed F2440 and F245, in 2024 and 2026. Car says the platform can, can accommodate up to four e-motors, will kick off with a 610 horsepower output, and draw from a scalable battery pack with a base capacity of 80 kilowatts per hour, which sounds kind of puny. The Ferrari Purosagne's exotic, exotic rivals. Ferrari will like to tell you, will like to tell you the Purosagne has no direct rivals, but the reality is the four-door exotic market is crammed with high-performance sedans, crossovers, and SUVs. Buyers will also be considering. Let's run through the key contenders: the Aston Martin DBX from $179,986 or £158,000. It has a four-liter twin-turbo V8, 542 horsepower, 516 pound-feet of torque can do the 0-60 run in 4.3 seconds, and has a top speed of 181 miles per hour. Like Ferrari, Aston was late to the crossover party, but it's making up for lost time with demand for the DBX boosting the company's output by 224% this year. The DBX appears taller than the Puro Sogne and is powered by an AMG-sourced twin-turbo 4.0-liter V8. The infotainment system also comes from Benz, but unfortunately it's a generation behind, so there's no touchscreen functionality. <laughs> that is a huge drawback. Belly Bentayga W12 from $240,000. There is no price for this thing in the UK right at this very moment. It has a 6 liter twin turbo W12, 
626 horsepower, 664 pound-feet of torque, the 0 to 60 in 3.9 seconds, and has a top speed of 190 miles per hour. The Mantega might not look as athletic or change direction as eagerly as the Puro Sogne, but its badge has the, kind, has the right kind of credibility to take the Ferrari on, and it's definitely not lacking performance. Most buyers find a $177,000, 542 horsepower V8, 4.4 seconds to 60 mph, and new 443 horsepower hybrid, 5.2 seconds to 60, more than adequate. But for an additional $68,000, Bentley also offers a 12-cylinder option. The Lamborghini Urus, from $207,326 or 177,641 pounds, or sorry, yeah, 177,641 pounds. This has a six, I thought it had a V8. I'm pretty sure this has a six liter twin turbo V8, not a six liter twin turbo W12. Lambo has never done a W12, so that's a bit of a typo, but moving on. Yeah, it has a V8. It has a 6-liter twin-turbo V8, 641 horsepower, 627 pound-feet of torque, the 0 to 60 in 3.2 seconds, and also has a top speed of 190 miles per hour. Ferrari's arch enemy kicked off the whole super SUV thing back in the 1980s, but that's where the similarities be between the crude Countach V12-powered LM002 and the Urus end. The current Lambo SUV shares its platform with the Bentley Bentayga and Porsche Cayenne, though the angular supercar-like styling means only car geeks would ever know. There's no V10 or V12 option, and we're still waiting for the Feb variant. So the sole engine option is a twin-turbo 4-liter VW Group V8, but tuned to deliver the kind of power you expect from a Lamborghini. Then you have the Mercedes-Maybach GLS 600 from $161,550 or 164,870 pounds. This, this also has a 4-liter twin-turbo V8, but it only makes 550 horsepower, 538 pound-feet of torque, only does a 0-60 run in 4.8 seconds, and only has a top speed of 155 miles per hour. Strip away the, the Maybach GLS's strip away the Maybach GLS 600's gaudy grille at $60,000 from the price tag, and you're looking at a regular Mercedes GLS 5, uh, 550, which should make the Maybach for far better suited than the Ferrari to shuffling between fancy hotels in London, or a fancy hotel in Las Vegas, as I found out recently. But not much fun in the mountain roads above nice, sorry, above Nice, even with its V8 boosted to 550 horsepower. Mercedes also offers an AMG GLS 63 with, with 603 horsepower for almost 30,000 less, but no Ferrari buyer wants to be mistaken for a soccer mom with a horsepower habit. So if it's an, so if it's an AMG SUV you're after, we take the boxy G63 instead. Porsche Taycan Turbo S Cross Turismo from $187,600 or 140,360 pounds. It has two electric motors and a 93.4 kilowatt hour battery. It makes 750 horsepower, 774 pound-feet of torque, the zero to 60 in 2.7 seconds, but only has a top speed of 155 miles per hour. Not convinced an electric wagon is a viable alternative to a Ferrari? Take another look at the Taycan Turbo S Cross Turismo's zero to 60 mile per hour figure. The Taycan might not sound like a supercar, but it's the only car here that truly performs like one in a straight line. And with its low-slung crossover vibe, the Puro Sogne is arguably closer to the Porsche, both in spirit and inches, than it is some of these other USV rivals. They mean SUV. Than these other SUV rivals. Rolls-Royce Cullinan, from $384,750! God, I didn't know those things were so expensive! Jeez! Or 264,000 pounds. This also has a 4-liter twin-turbo V8, 563 horsepower, 
627 pound-feet of torque, 0 to 60 time in 5 in five seconds, and a top speed of 155 miles per hour. The Cullinan wouldn't know a racetrack if you slapped it up, up the side of its face with one. But this is imperious, but this is imperious stately home on wheel. Sorry, but okay, they put is in two places and it's not correct. But this imperious stately home on wheels is arguably the Ferrari's nearest rival based on price and badge kudos. Performance is respectable given the gargantuan near 6,000 pound curb weight, and the personalization options means that $385,000 MSRP can ride sharply. So I'd like to read the rest of these, but we're at the end of this segment. So I'll read the rest of them in the last segment. So I'll see you all there. While we take this short and elevator musicless break, sorry, I would like to inform you all that there is more CCC content for you to enjoy. For articles, videos, polls, quizzes, posts about the podcast, and even a little bit more, please head on over to my all-new Cody's Car Conundrum website. With a whole new design and all my content in one place, the new Cody's Car Conundrum website is the home of everything I do with CCC. Just go to codyscarconundrum.com to devour even more car-based content. Alrighty, everyone, we are back, and we are going to start off this last segment with the article talking about how Toyota doesn't want the Land Cruiser to get into the hands of extremists and is taking some kind of measures to prevent that. Toyota has confirmed that Japanese Land Cruiser customers were asked to sign an agreement pertaining to their new purchase. They have also established a twofold reasoning for their attempts to limit resale. Responding to car scoops, Toyota, Toyota Motor Corporation said that the document was down to the popularity of the Land Cruiser in Japan. Since we want to prioritize customers who have bought a Land Cruiser because they love the model, rather than rather those who buy them for resale or for export from Japan, we are requesting confirmation of customers of customer orders with our dealers. There's a certain amount of reading between the lines needed. Still, while TMC's statement doesn't outright reference a time limit on sale restrictions, it's clear that Toyota intends to make sure that each pre-ordered Land Cruiser is a genuine purchase with confirmation needed of each customer. Another claim made, originally by Japanese publication Creative 311, was that Toyota's measures were in the interest of national security. TMC seemingly confirmed this concern, saying, We, Toyota, and our dealers share a commitment to preventing our products from being exported for unauthorized use. While we're still not clear on how Toyota would deal with anyone who violates the terms of the agreement, it was suggested in the original report that it will penalize the dealer that sold the offending Land Cruiser, as well as barring the purchaser from any future transactions with the brand. That is harsh. The new Land Cruiser 300 series has seen tremendous depend, depend, God, I saw demand in Japan and bam, but it has seen tremendous demand in Japan. That oof, should have chosen a different word. With over 22,000 pre-orders reported, with the semiconductor crisis now, no, nowhere near close to being over, it would be reasonable to assume that supply may become limited. Earlier this week, Toyota announced that it would suspend production at one of the lines at its plant in Tahara and two lines in its Yoshi, Yoshi, Yoshiwara, Yoshiwara, Yoshi, Yoshi, I can't figure out how to say it, I'm sorry, but in that area, affiliate factory. These factories build various Lexus models as well as the new Land Cruiser. And now we move on to some Elon news. Earlier this week, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission's, no, Commission, announced charges against former Nikola CEO Trevor Milton alleging he repeatedly disseminated false and misleading information typically by, by speaking directly to investors through social media. The government alleges Milton used his social media accounts to mislead investors about Nikola's technological advancements, products, 
in-house production capabilities, and commercial achievements. I just want to point out, we just covered that in the first segment, actually. That's kind of funny. Moving on, though. As a director of the SEC's Division of Enforcement, Gerber Grewal, hopefully I got that right, pointed out, having chosen to promote Nikola through social media, Milton was obligated under the, under the securities under the securities laws to communicate completely accurately and truthfully. Needless to say, there are a few similarities between Milton and Tesla CEO Elon Musk. Musk is a prolific tweeter and occasionally makes bold claims on social media, which don't pan out. While Musk tweets have already gotten him into trouble, the government's charging of Milton could be bad news for the outspoken executive. In particular, Musk tweets about products, no, tweets. Musk tweets about products, technologies, and where, no, when they will arrive could be an issue. This was brought up during yesterday's SEC press conference as CNBC noted a reporter asked, Elon Musk has made a number of statements, some of which have been provably false on Twitter. Are you, Grewal, going to take a second look at Mr. Musk's statements under this administration, or is that something you've been following closely? Grewal declined to comment in regard to Musk, but noted, regardless of the methods used by corporate officials, we will hold them accountable for, ma for materially false statements that they make, especially in cases where investors are hurt as alleged here. There's a bit of leeway with materially false statements, but Tesla and Musk don't exactly have the best track record when it comes to hitting deadlines. Just a few days ago, the company announced their semi-truck their semi, their semi was being pushed back to 2022. They also hinted the Cybertruck was being delayed, which isn't surprising as the second-generation Roadster was supposed to arrive in 2020, and still hasn't been released, which is unsurprising. And now we have that 9.4-liter big, big Block V8 Copo Camaro. If you're a firm believer in there's no replacement for displacement, Chevrolet has your back as the 2022 Cobo Camaro will be offered with a massive big block V8. Displacing 9.4 liters or 572 cubic inches, the V8 features a cast iron block with four bolt main caps, aluminum heads, a forged steel crankshaft, forged steel connecting rods, and forged aluminum pistons. Despite having nearly five times the displacement as the Camaro's entry-level engine, the V8 is NHRA rated at just 430 horsepower or 321 kilowatts or 436 PS. That makes it the weakest offering in the 2022 Copo Camaro lineup. On the bright side, the 572 Copo Camaro is the most affordable model as pricing starts at $105,500. However, customers can order a $26,000 572 big block package, which adds special paint and graphics, black bow ties, as well as Bogart racing wheels wrapped in Hoosier drag racing tires. Besides the new big block, the 2022 Copo Camaro can now be equipped with a 7-liter V8 NHRA, NHRA, yeah, NHRA rated at 470 horsepower, or 350 kilowatts, or 477 PS. That particular model starts at $117,500, but for an extra $12,500, you can upgrade to a supercharged 5.7-liter V8 with, with 600 horsepower, or 447 kilowatts, or 608 PS. The turnkey drag racers can compete in HR NHRA stock and super stock eliminator classes and are something of a rarity as Chevrolet has built less than 700 Copo Camaros since the program resumed in 2012. However, the company is lifting its usual 69 unit cap on production for 2022 and orders will be, will be filled on a first come, first serve basis. And now for the bumper cart trucks article. A number of companies are working on electric semis, semis, whatever and transportation trucks, but drivers will have to deal with limited ranges and lengthy recharging times. While those issues also affect electric passenger vehicles, they're more problematic when it comes to transporting goods. However, the solution could come by looking to the past. 
in particular, Continental Engineering uh, Services and Siemens, or Simons perhaps, Mobility are teaming up to develop and produce current collectors known as pantographs, most commonly associated with electric trains and trams and bumper cars. Pantographs are mounted on top of the vehicle and get electricity from overhead lines. The two companies envision having overhead cabling installed on heavily frequented stretches of highway. Trucks and semis would simply drive underneath, would simply drive underneath them, and the cables would power their electric motors while also recharging their batteries at the same time. It's also worth mentioning the system is envisioned to work not only on electric vehicles or not only with electric vehicles, but also trucks with fuel cell and hybrid powertrains. Siemens Mo or Simon, sorry, Simon's Mobility, Mo Simon's Mo why is it Simon's plural? Simon's Mobility's e-highway technology is currently being tested at three different sites in Germany, and the Federal Ministry of Transport estimates that only 2,485 miles, or 4,000 kilometers, of the country's 8,078-mile, or 13,000-kilometer-long network would need to be equipped with overhead cabling. This is because around two-thirds of fuel consumption by long-distance truck traffic occurs on less than a third of the road network. While the technology has already proven itself, the companies noted that there is still work to be done as they need to develop current collectors that can be offered to commercial vehicle manufacturers cost-effectively and in significant volumes. There's a key reason for the partnership and, if successful, overhead line systems could eventually pop up across Europe. According to Continental Engineering Services Managing Director Christoph Geierlinger, Geier hopefully I got that right, we are transferring the principle of rail electrification to the road. He added, the current collectors will be developed and produced in accordance with automotive standards and noted the partnership is a major step toward climate-neutral freight transportation. Finally, you're doing something about the trucks. Finally, that's what I've been saying. That's what I've been wanting. Wait, let's clap, everyone. Thank you. I mean, it's not in the U.S., but still, thank you. Exactly what I wanted. Do something about your goddamn pickup trucks. <laughs> I said pickup trucks. You send me trucks. This rideable what? <laughs> this rideable bench won the Ford Fun Smart Mobility Challenge. What? The bench features two different modes. Static and mobile, it can be used as both a picnic table as well as a scooter that can drive at speeds up to 12 miles per hour, as well as as a as a mobile sleep as really a mobile bed. Okay, cool. Ford announces its battery development center will be located in Romulus, Michigan. <laughs> I love that name, Romulus. <laughs> Ion Park will be located in an existing 270,000 square foot facility that is being refurbished to allow battery cell research. Chevy bringing more than a dozen models to SEMA, including concepts. We can also expect performance-enhanced production cars, trucks, and SUVs. VW hatched another crossover, the 2021 Tygo Baby Coupe SUV. Volkswagen just can't stop introducing new crossovers. This time, they took South America's Nivis and brought it to Europe as the Tygo. Lordstown gets Lifeline as investment firm agrees to buy $400 million worth of stock. Lordstown is in desperate need of more money to reach its production targets. Production Audi A6 e-tron reportedly coming in 2023. The upcoming EV could have a WLTP range of more than 435 miles. Bowler and Land Rover unveil a Defender rally car, and it will compete in a one-make series. Yes! Love to hear some Bowler news. The Bowler Defender Challenge features a bespoke suspension and increased ride height and, and a stripped-out interior. The new Mercedes S680 Guard 4MATIC is a, luxur is a luxurious armored vehicle. 
The latest S-Class promises to provide VR10 levels of protection. Not that I necessarily know what that means, but if, if that's like, I don't know, low-level tank, low-level bank transport truck, then hell yeah! Anyway, though, that is going to be it for this segment and indeed this weekly news roundup. I hope you all enjoyed. If you did, please make sure to like the episode, share the episode, and follow the podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, please like, comment, share, and consider subscribing. And if you do subscribe, thank you very much. I really, really appreciate that. Please make sure you hit the little notification bell and then all notifications. That way you are (laughs) notified every time I upload. If you want to listen to this podcast on the road, but you don't have or want the Podbean mobile app, hey, not a problem. Boot up wherever you get your podcasts. Type in Cody's Car Conundrum and then choose the episode you want to listen to. I will see you all next time. You've just listened to me probably ramble about some cars if I'm being honest. If you've enjoyed me passionately talking about lumps of metal on wheels, then why don't you follow me on Twitter at Cody Carr, C-O-N-U-N-D-R-M, or check out my website, www.codyscarconundrum.com, for articles and other car-related content. If you have any questions or would like to become a sponsor, send an email to drtaffy777 at gmail.com and put sponsor in the subject line. Make sure to follow me here or any other platform so you don't miss out on more full throttle content. Thanks for listening. I'll see you all in the next episode.